Good morning, Colorado. You're listening to The Daily Sunup. The Daily Sunup podcast is a conversation with the Colorado Sun. See our trust indicators at coloradosun.com slash ethics. It's Thursday, January 18th. Today, Michael Booth and John Ingold talk about the lengths small towns go to in filling key hospital positions, and how three new hydrogen filling stations may point toward Colorado's transportation future. Before we begin, join the Colorado Sun on January 24th as environmental reporter Michael Booth speaks with experts about the growing revolution of electric vehicles, the mandates and subsidies, the death of big highway building, and more. Join for free by signing up at coloradosun.com events. Now let's go back in time with some Colorado history. In 1859, Marshall Silverthorne moved to Colorado, seeking gold and better health. He settled in Breckenridge with his family in 1861. Known as the Judge, Silverthorne ran a hotel, funded community projects, and was noted for his quirky demeanor and generosity. Despite failing to find gold on his 160-acre plot, the area eventually became Silverthorne, a town named after him. The land passed through various mining companies and underwent transformations, especially with the construction of Dillon Reservoir and Interstate 70. Today, Silverthorne is a bustling hub of commercial activity and tourism, and depending on your point of view, either symbolizes Colorado's growth and prosperity or the environmental cost of modern development. Before we continue, a special thank you to all of our Colorado Sun members listening. It's thanks to you that The Sun continues to bring trustworthy, independent journalism to readers and listeners across our state. If you're not yet a member and want to join us, visit coloradosun.com join to sign up. While you're there, check out our member e-newsletters like Colorado Sunday, The Temperature, and more. Together, we'll keep Colorado informed in 2024. Next, our feature story. Good Thursday to everybody. Welcome to the Temperature Podcast, where John Ingold and I talk about climate news and health news and sometimes where there's a confluence between them and try to keep you all up to date on the reporting that we are doing at coloradosun.com. Also encourage people to tune in next week to our event on the future of cars and the future of transportation and transit in Colorado. We've got some great panelists and more lining up. The event is at 6 p.m. Our video on YouTube will go live then. We'll have live chat. We're kind of working with a new format that has worked out really well where the public can keep asking questions in the chat as they watch the video, and our experts will keep answering those questions. So go to coloradosun.com slash events and sign up for free for that. And we look forward to having you and look forward to having your questions ahead of time or during the event itself. Hey, John, how are you doing? Good, Mike. How are you? Doing well. Everybody seems to have finally dug out and gotten back from their mountain trips. So back to some news that you're reporting on how Eastern Plains hospitals, and in fact, all rural hospitals, are dealing with trying to get the personnel they need to run themselves and stay open. And you've got a very young person out on the Eastern Plains serving as a CEO who may not be old enough to rent a car in some states, but um, <laughs> obviously committed to an interesting line of work. Yeah, definitely. And I should clarify here, it's not uh, my story that that uh, we're talking about here. It's one by uh, a contributor to The Sun named Gabrielle Porter, who uh, wrote this story uh, about the uh, new or relatively new CEO uh, out at the Sedgwick County Health Center, which is uh, out in Julesburg. It's um, 
you know, really close to the Nebraska border there up in uh, northeastern part of the state. He is 24. He got the job when he was 22. Uh, it's his second job out of college. Um, if you read the newsletter, we uh, said it was his first. It turns out it's actually his second, but still um, incredibly young to be uh, hired on as a healthcare CEO. But one thing that uh, is interesting about this and one thing that uh, Gabrielle did a really great job of in this story is it points out uh, the kind of turnover we're seeing in hospitals and especially in rural hospitals and the challenges that rural small hospitals in Colorado and across the country can have in recruiting uh, executives to lead the facility. Now, of course, we would never say that he's uh, unqualified or isn't doing a good job um, at the health center, but even he himself, uh, his name's Aiden Hetler, even he would uh, acknowledge that uh, had things worked a little more the way you would want them to in, in terms of uh, being able to hire an, from a, a full sleet, slate of candidates uh, who are applying for these rural health jobs, uh, he never would have gotten an interview. So it's really uh, this kind of like crisis situation that we're seeing with rural hospitals and, and their recruitment that uh, led to him being a, a CEO and now having all the responsibilities in what um, you know what one other uh, uh, CEO of a, a rural Colorado hospital says uh, is the toughest job in healthcare, or at least one of them. I appreciate you mentioning Gabrielle as the reporter. You as a reporter have uh, also done many of the same stories or similar stories in other places on Colorado. The challenges that rural hospitals face from Leadville to Western Slope out on Eastern Plains. And it's not just, obviously, the top positions. We're talking about everything. We're talking about nurses. We're talking about medical assistants. We're talking about um, emergency uh, folks in the emergency sections. We're talking about people who, um, wh whether you can relure doctors to come back after their training um, and stay there and be there for the long term. So lots of positions that they're constantly looking to fill. Yeah, absolutely. We're talking uh, when somebody leaves months, years even to fill some positions, uh, hospitals will uh, try to uh, sponsor scholarships for doctors in training, knowing that, hey, you're going through medical school now. When you get out of medical school, you'll have three or more years of, of residency, and then you'll finally be able to come work for us. So that's, you know, you're, you're looking years in advance before that even pays off. Um, and when you're talking about uh, a CEO of a, a small rural health center, rural hospital, uh, you're talking about somebody who really has to do it all. You need to understand uh, Medicaid regulation. You need to understand Medicare regulation, right? We've seen some hospitals in Colorado get in trouble because of uh, sort of advanced payments that they received from Medicare um, during the pandemic that then suddenly they had to pay some money back for that later on. Uh, these are hospitals that run on really, really thin margins. Uh, we had another story uh, by uh, KFF Health News that ran in the sun over the last week that uh, looked at the challenges that rural hospitals face with aging infrastructure and how do you upgrade that and how do you enhance that so that you can now do more lucrative types of work there at your hospital. A lot of times rural health centers end up focusing on kind of the core basic services, which is good, that's good for the community that those are there, they also tend to not be uh, very lucrative for the hospital. 
to do uh, more like kind of elective surgeries, which are are where a lot of hospitals really make a lot of their money. That requires a lot better uh, facilities. So now you need the money to figure out how to upgrade your facility so that you can can bring in that additional revenue. So there, there's a story you can find on on the Sun about that as well. But just an incredibly difficult job, and so you can see why um, uh, a rural health center would be. Uh, struggling to find somebody to fill that position and would be uh, willing to take a chance on somebody who is uh, energetic and uh, committed, who's sharp, um, who has a lot of ideas for how to help things, just doesn't happen to have a lot of experience in the profession so far. Do you get a sense from Gabrielle's reporting that the uh, rural area that may be struggling to find all kinds of positions, teachers, we do a lot of writing, Erica Brunlin, about teachers, uh, getting hard to recruit, that they are willing to kind of stretch the boundaries as long as someone is qualified of what they're going to try out. Yeah, absolutely. And we've seen we've seen other hospitals around the state do this as well, kind of hiring um, internal candidates to take over, not, not somebody who necessarily has a traditional uh, healthcare uh, executive experience. Um, you know, really, it, it's about... Uh, uh, finding people who are going to be able to potentially do the job who are are there to to take it. One stat that really stood out um, from her story to me that was um, was was really shocking to see was that uh, she looked at uh, a report by the Colorado Rural Health Center that examined uh, CEO turnover at critical access hospitals uh, in rural Colorado and they found it was 34% in 2021. So just an extraordinary high rate of turnover. Sometimes you can get um, really kind of petty local politics that goes into hospital boards. Sometimes it's the burnout. Uh, the pandemic certainly either uh, delayed some people from uh, their decisions to retire, which which could dri- drive have driven that, but also um, you know just drove a lot of acrimony. Rural hospitals especially faced really difficult decisions on. Um, vaccine mandates and how to handle that, given that uh, sometimes those were not very popular things in rural areas. Uh, so, you know, again, just a very, very stressful job, um, difficult places to recruit professionals to. And um, this is one hospital's uh, solution to the the challenge. I thought it was a great story. So you can check it out on uh, coloradosun.com. And Mike, I want to switch to you now. You uh, had an interesting thing in the temp this week about uh, sort of the forgotten clean energy source for transportation. And we're talking about hydrogen here, which uh, definitely lives very much in the shadow of, of electric vehicles. But what's going on there? Certainly electric vehicles get most of the headlines and the whole electrification of all, many aspects of our lives are getting most of our headlines at coloradosun.com and also in the general media there are groups of people working in a more obscure corner of transportation and improving technology who believe that hydrogen can be another fuel of the future besides just clean electrification. And so the combination of academics, some entrepreneurs, government grants, uh, people who deliver those, people who work in government places like NREL out in Golden who uh, study how the technology can be done really want hydrogen to be another alternative because it does have some advantages. And we talked about them on the podcast before about what hydrogen might have as a fuel advantage over electricity. And so what we've been waiting for is for the chicken or the egg thing to finally break open. 
with some fueling stations or the cars that get fueled by hydrogen fueling stations. And there's finally an announcement that we are writing about in temperature. Uh, New Day Hydrogen is teaming up with Colorado State University with a grant from the federal government. The Biden administration's plan to spend a lot of IRA money in a lot of different places in technology for clean and green technology ideas to build three fueling stations up and down the I-25 corridor next to nearby CSU facilities. So we've got Fort Collins, you've got the Denver Spur campus, you've got CSU Pueblo and some facilities where they can put a hydrogen station. And they will work on signing up customers, the trucking companies that have fleets that will probably be the first adopters of hydrogen fueling technology and make sure that when these fueling stations open, that they've got customers who will actually be using them. New Day Hydrogen is adamant that they will have customers ready for when the stations open. So they're not going to, as they say, um, have the rain follows the plow idea that they are actually going to have customers ready to go when the stations are built. So uh, millions of dollars in federal grants, and it's an area of the technology and the economy where federal grants are definitely necessary to get it going because so much investment is going on in electrification, both private and government that the hydrogen folks need outside help if they are going to get these ideas off the ground. And the Biden administration has now come in and said, well, Colorado, you'll have at least three stations um, within months or a year or two. And you can see how it goes and see if you get enough trucks signed up. And eventually these will be available for passenger vehicles as well. So I've got to ask the question here of why? You know, electric vehicles are, are they're moving ahead so quickly. Wouldn't this money just be better spent investing it in uh, improving electric vehicle technology? Why are we why are we even messing around with hydrogen? The, it's part of it is the old idea of you need to don't put all your bets on one technology. Uh, the Betamax versus VHS thing for videotape. Uh, everybody put who bought the Betamax, um, like I did a long time ago, thought we were buying the right technology and it turned out everybody went with VHS. And for more modern examples, uh, you know, people have tried out different music streaming websites and found out that only one of those ends up to be winner. But at the beginning, they try a lot of different things. And with hydrogen, there are some technology advantages that could come to the fore. Example, would be in coal technology, batteries don't do as well. They don't have as high uh, um, a range. They don't perform as well in steep terrain in Colorado. And if you have a hydrogen tank on your car that is similar to a gasoline fuel tank, the hydrogen technology does work very well in the coal and it does very work, work very well in steeper terrain. So that could be one reason. Um, it's faster to fuel. So, you know, all those of us who have electric vehicles and are experimenting with them know that filling them can take anywhere from half an hour to overnight, depending on what kind of charging station you've got. With a hydrogen fueling station, you get the same amount of fuel and the same amount of driving range within just a couple of minutes of fueling up. And so those are some advantages that people don't want to give up on and want to at least put some initial investments in and see if there might be some competition for electric vehicles, might force your competitor to do a better job, lower prices, um, keep hustling, not just assume that everybody's going to go electric, and have some competition out there. Hmm. Well, that'll be an interesting one to to follow, uh, to see uh, whether it actually gets the kind of uh, user uh, up, uptake that uh, would be necessary to continue these investments. 
Yeah, the idea is that electric is not perfect technology right now and not a perfect one-for-one replacement of gasoline and fossil fuel technology. And so there's still room to try some other things. All right. Well, thanks, Mike. And everyone, uh, thank you for listening again to our podcast. Uh, as Mike said, if you're interested in the temperature newsletter, you can go to coloradosun.com slash join uh, to see about becoming a, a premium member, a, a newsletters member that you can get that. And uh, as Mike mentioned, uh, check out the, uh, the upcoming event on uh, electric vehicles. You can read more at coloradosun.com. Finally, here are a few stories that you should know about today. Nearly 19,000 homes and businesses in Colorado will get better internet service after the state awarded more than $113 million via the Capital Program Fund. But the Colorado Broadband Office acknowledged it received 112 applications asking for more than $642 million. The Broadband Office prioritized applications based on the number of unserved and underserved, which considered only households with no internet or internet slower than 100 megabits per second. The director of the state office said her team will sit down with those who didn't get CPF money to develop better ideas for other funds. Colorado's school enrollment is at its lowest level in a decade. According to data released Wednesday by the State Education Department, Colorado had 1,800 fewer students last fall than in 2022. The most recent dip is not as dramatic as during the last school year when the state reported a drop of more than 3,200 students. Enrollment in preschool through 12th grade totaled 881,464 students during the state's annual count in October. The drop accelerates a trend of dwindling school populations, which can reshape how schools operate from funding to staffing. The top Republican in the Colorado House of Representatives is facing questions about a previously unreported arrest in 2022. Mike Lynch, who is running for the U.S. House, was arrested on suspicion of drunken driving and being in possession of a gun while intoxicated. News of his arrest was a surprise Wednesday to many at the state capitol. Lynch was stopped on Interstate 25 in September 2022 for going 90 miles per hour. The lawmaker's blood alcohol level was nearly double the state's driving limit. He pleaded guilty to driving while ability impaired, a lesser offense, and the gun charge. For more information on all of these stories, visit our website, coloradosun.com. And don't forget to tune in again next time. Now, a quick message from our team. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. My name is Jason Blevins. I'm the outdoors writer here at the Colorado Sun, co-founder of the Colorado Sun. Um, I'm on the uh, weekly podcast with David Krause every Monday. And I also write a weekly newsletter. comes out every Thursday. It's called The Outsider. Um, take a look at uh, each issue has sort of early glimpses of stories. I got stuff on housing, high country business, high country culture, public lands, uh, public land managers, kind of just about anything kind of interesting and happening on the Western Slope. Try to get into it. Ski industry stuff. Um, I invite you to come check it out. It's one of the many newsletters we have at the Colorado Sun. Um, head to coloradosun.com slash join and become a member and support the Colorado Sun. Appreciate you guys listening. Thanks.